Light from Lantern presents Knit a Spell. I'm magical maker Katie Rempe. And I'm the maker of magic, James Devine. Join us as we stitch together the symbiotic relationship between crafting and the craft. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Knit a Spell. How are you doing, Jim? I am awesome. I'm so excited for today. Me too. It's because we have a wonderful guest, and that is Marie Green from Olive Knits. Yay! Yay! Welcome. Thank you. Marie is an amazing human who I got to know when I worked at Scassell. Um, She was, at that point, an up-and-coming designer uh, who I was gladly able to provide yarn support to so she could further her skill set even more. Um, Marie has also, of course, expanded out into such wonderful things as fearless um, workshops for knitting, uh, her podcast, which is the Good Enough Creative Podcast, and of course, you may have heard of a little thing called her four-day knit-along, which I can't wait to talk more about later. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, uh, you were definitely with someone I wanted to have on sooner than later. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we should start with uh, some background on you and how you got into knitting and making and, and all of that goodness. You bet. Like, I am one of those people with sort of that boring story where my grandma taught me to knit when I was a kid. Um, she came to town, she lived far away, and that was back in like long distance phone call days, like the olden days. Mm, yep. <laughs> um, and she just, I think, noticed that I was creative and kind of had a restless spirit. And there's something about knitting that is really perfect for people that need to be doing something all the time. And so she taught me and then had the audacity to drive back home to Tennessee where she was living and then leave me basically like some magazines from the forties and some scraps of paper and like enough yarn just to be dangerous, but not enough to like really do much with. And uh, the, and an obsession. Like I definitely became obsessed immediately. And I was like that weird kid who would knit places and people would look at me at like, I didn't know anybody knit anymore, or I thought only grandma's knit. And yes, that old so I've been thing. Doing that my whole life. Yeah. Mm. And um, I just, I think pretty much she planted the seed. And then from there, I just kind of carried that forward myself and did a lot of self-teaching and just figuring things out. I didn't have somebody to ask and I didn't know any other knitters at all. And it was long distance to call my grandma if I had a question. So and I'm guessing the internet maybe wasn't a thing quite No. Yet. Can you believe there was a time before the internet? Yeah. How did you learn I, anything without YouTube videos? <laughs> I'll tell you what. I mean, like, that's now how I think people learn to do makeup. And that's why all of us looked terrible back in the day. Because I didn't know about makeup because I didn't have YouTube. So it's oh a God, miracle. <laughs> <laughs> makeup Great tutorials point. for the win. Yes. I'm just going to say, you can learn everything now. And I did not have that luxury. So I was like, just really a lot of experimentation, like trying to see what would work. And if it didn't work, I tried something else until I got it to work. Wow. Look at you learning the old fashioned way. (laughs) I know. I know. That's when you really have to want it. You do. Yeah. Yeah. But it makes you really brave, I think. And it's, you become such a problem solver because you don't have someone else to ask. Mm. And now information is so easy to get that I think sometimes myself included, like will default to just somebody tell me the quick version, like just save me the time. But there's actually a lot of value, I think, in having to figure it out. 
I totally agree. That's why I used to make people fix their own mistakes when I used to work at the yarn store, even though they weren't always so keen on that idea. Yeah, but it's the best way to learn. It really is. Exactly. Yes. All those mistakes are wonderful learning opportunities. Jim, I'm sure you know that firsthand, right? 100%. I think that this is so interesting because it reminds me of magic and how the experimentation and exploration is part of discovering like what works, like how, how does grounding and centering work and where does my, um, intuition sort of what are the bounds of my intuition and and what can i sense and what can i not and <clears throat> certainly i love the whole idea around fearless you have this uh idea of fearless knitting and mm -hmm. i was just in a conversation as a as a palm reader um people are terrified of um palmistry they're terrified of other things too right, right. and here's this person who's an experienced tarot reader and she is, she, she messages me and she's like, I'm afraid to get my palm read. And I'm like, why? And I, I was curious. I'm like, okay, yeah. what are, what are the things that make you afraid? And she says, I don't really know anything about it. Like I know a lot about tarot and I know a lot about astrology, mm -hmm. but I just don't really know a lot about palmistry. And I'm like, right now thinking, wow, the, what, so I'm curious, do you think that learning and knowing and discovering enough about knitting is that the root of fearless knitting what and talk to me about that whole fearless knitting thing hmm. yeah well first of all i just want to say i can understand that fear about having your palm read i've never had mine read and there is a fear and it's because i watched a movie when i was a kid where someone's like you your lifeline is short you're going to die soon nobody wants to get that news so they're like i don't want to know mm -hmm. I, i'm thinking you're right like it's probably not understanding it enough and with knitting I think it's it's not so much about not having the knitting knowledge as not understanding how knitting works like at a foundational level. Mm -hmm. And the fearless thing is really about trusting yourself and knowing that you have enough skills and knowledge within you. Even if you're a beginner, you have the skills to figure things out. Like you will be able to solve a problem if you reach it. And I think one of the problems I see so often in knitting is that we get so used to information being readily available right there at our fingertips and everything is just black and white, yes and no, left, right, whatever. But what we miss is that there's a lot of nuance and a lot of gray area in creative work um, probably. And I don't know if that's true for your work as well, but in creativity, it's not always just right or wrong. There's a lot of middle ground. And so, so many of the knitters that I work with, they are nervous to make a mistake they're afraid. What if I try this and it's wrong? And I think some of that's like societal teaching and maybe having totally. had a teacher, right? Who hmm. was like mean to you or yelled at you. I mean, I'm seeing some nodding. So I think that you guys are on the same page. Oh yeah. So my goal and just kind of the foundation of what I do is really to instill that confidence and say, look, it's just knitting. Like no one's going to die unless you stab them with a needle. And so just don't do that. In the eye. <laughs> that's a great You'd point. have to stab them with the needle in the eye yeah. in the, or in the neck <laughs> i mean yeah. or somewhere yeah. somewhere yeah. That That's it. so it's it's fascinating because i'm not currently afraid of knitting but okay. i've only knit two tiny little swatches and i'm on my third which is my first actual thing i'm knitting which mm -hmm. is a ribbon for my hat so it's mm -hmm. actually 
just like what 12 stitches wide mm-hmm. and it's going to be really long and um for me really long so <laughs> it's the very first thing i've actually is a thing right i don't know enough to be afraid in some ways i'm like okay i'm just everything is in in just knitting the whole thing which mm-hmm. is what's that called again what kind of fabric garter stitch oh yeah it's going to end up being garter stitch right i forget mm-hmm. right what it's called but I think that if I have expectations in the future of like doing this like elaborate color worked, you know, uh, circular scarf with this, uh, you know, pattern mm-hmm. on it, I will be afraid of screwing that up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, certainly the investment of time and resources into a bigger project can make something feel like a bigger deal. But knitting is different than a lot of other crafts in that when we make mistakes, we can pull it out and start over. And it's like no harm, no foul. Mm -hmm. And I think that something you said, Jim, was really valuable because you said you don't know enough to be afraid. And seriously, give me those knitters that are, no one told them to be scared. And I think that people think it's hard because someone told them it was hard. And so they Uh, go into it with the expectation that it's going to be hard and they're not going to know what to do. And I cannot begin to tell you how often I am supporting people who are just someone told them it was hard. They got to that spot in the pattern and they're like, oh, I know this part's hard. They freak out before they even really read it. And then I explain, no, it's, if you read it, just do exactly what it says. It's not hard. And they're like, oh, well, but everyone was saying it was hard. So I thought I must be missing something. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is just those messages. And if it's great to not know enough to be scared of it. I, I really wish more people would approach it that way, honestly. Yeah. I, I here, agree. here I am, blank slate. <laughs> yeah, I've taught people to knit in the past, just like you said, who didn't have a knowledge of having a fear for anything. And mm-hmm. I remember teaching a friend of mine to make fingerless mitts on double-pointed needles as her like first project, learned to knit on double-pointed needles, making mm-hmm. fingerless mitts with like a gusset, everything. And she did great because I didn't tell her, well, this is advanced. Yeah, <laughs> I just told her, oh, this is what you want. Well, then this is the steps you have to take to do it. And she did it. So did. yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, it's what we think our, our minds are really powerful. We can talk ourselves out of anything. And, you know, if nobody tells you it's hard, a lot of people for, you know, brand new knitters knit a sweater with me because they just trust that they can do it. And someone told them you can do it. And it's kind of that same thing. It's like, if you think you can, you can, if you think you can't, you can't. If somebody says, Oh, you can totally do it. They will jump in and knit something that is well above their skill level. And they'll just rock it because they have, they just believe that they could. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then that makes that. all of the people who are more advanced be like, Oh, how, how did you do that? But yeah, it just, everyone has the same skills. You're right. Just be patient with yourself and mm-hmm. uh, know that mistakes are part of learning and that there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. And like you said, yarn is a great uh, material to work with because you can just pull it out and re-knit it again and again and again, if you like. Even if you became a different size, you could pull it all out and re-knit it. If you didn't like the style, pull it all out, re-knit it. I mean, it's it's kind of magical in itself, really. So. It is. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty awesome. Low, low we, bar failure. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Exactly. We are both our minds are both what can inspire us or imprison us. Mm. And that I, is a really, that's what I'm really getting from what you're saying, mm-hmm. Marie, is that how do we free our minds, right? So yeah. 
That fearless knitting, I, I just absolutely am so turned on by that idea of, mm-hmm. you know, knitting without fear. And like, if I can do something as low stakes, no offense intended, as knitting with without fear, if I can free myself of fear in something like knitting, what does that give me access to in sort of freeing myself from fear in other areas of my life? Mm. And if I have fear around something as low stakes as knitting, I probably have fear about a bunch of other stuff. You are a hundred percent right. And I see such a strong correlation between how people approach life as to how they approach knitting. And if they are struggling you know, if they struggle to make decisions or they struggle with confidence or they have a real sense that they're a failure and they just believe that deeply about themselves, that really manifests in the the creative work that they do. And, you know, weirdly, I feel like so much of my work is really about mindset and like creative therapists, uh, mm-hmm. completely unqualified, <laughs> not, not licensed, but like there is sort of this mindset piece that you have to incorporate And it's probably true for the work that you both do as well. Like it's not just about, you know, tangible creative arts, but really anything that we approach, there's such a mindset piece involved. Absolutely. How your intent for anything, you know, even Mm -hmm. if it's just washing the dishes and choosing to enjoy the process, you know, that is very powerful. So I I actually like washing dishes. So that was a good. (laughs) Come on over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'll work on that. (laughs) Yeah, so. Um, But yeah, and I mean, um, you made a good point earlier, too, saying like, it's not all black and white. There's tons (laughs) of gray area. I mean, in magic, there's, you know, you can be a gray witch, which is literally the practice of studying the in-between times and the more like mundane, perhaps. And um, it's really, really interesting, again, to see how those two things correlate, especially since, you know, knitting involves color and um, Mm -hmm. intent. Obviously, you have to want to do it. Otherwise, it's never going to get done. Um, And so, yeah, it's a a really powerful thing to choose to make your own thing, um, even if you're designing it yourself or learning from someone else. So, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, just coming at it from that that good place of and like I sometimes have to remind people this is fun. Come on, you guys. Yes. <laughs> this is fun. You don't have to like, knit. <laughs> yeah, nobody, you know, there's and I taught my husband to knit a couple of years ago and he was like clutching those needles like within an inch of his life and holding them so tight. And he was so stressed if he dropped a stitch. And I was like, this is clearly not fun for you. Step away. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, and we can find joy in anything, even the mundane, even the washing dishes. Um, and so definitely it's, it's where your head is, but I think that we just make everything so serious now and we just get so we're, I think as a culture, we're so stressed and so riled up that that like starts to, um, translate into everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> oh, Hey, that sounds like a train. Let's it take a train a break. break. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry for the train break. I cannot control when it happens. <laughs> Hey, Magical Makers. Are you looking for a fun summertime project? Try my No Sweat Mason Cozies, now available in two different sizes. You can save 50% on this pattern through July 31st by using the code KNITASPELL, that's all one word, on Ravelry at checkout. These beverage covers not only keep your hands dry, they're also a fun way to identify whose drink belongs to who. Cheers! Hey, Jim, let's talk about a palm reading for a sec. Oh yeah, my favorite topic. 
So I don't think a lot of people necessarily think of getting a palm reading, uh, but my palm reading with you was awesome and it actually helped with a lot of preconceived notions that I had of the craft before now. Oh. You had preconceived notions about palmistry? What were they? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm pretty literal. So I thought having a short lifeline might mean you have a short life. Right. And that a star on your palm is bad. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. Both of those are common. You know, a short lifeline does not mean a short life. It actually means a life of uh, connection with the divine and learning and creating type of life. And a star in your palm is a sign of spiritual gift. Those are two things that are dispelled right away. I know there's a lot of things on the palm that people think are good or bad, right? There's nothing inherently negative in your palm. You can use all the tools, all the markings. They are associated with your strengths, your personality, and things you can use in your life. Absolutely. I really love that modern take on palmistry, and it actually really resonated in my reading. I think everyone would enjoy a reading from you. And dear listener, if you too would like a fantastic experience that offers insight, direction, and clarity, I highly suggest booking a session with my dear friend, James Divine, and you can find more information at thedivinedhand.com. And we're back. Sorry for the brief train break, but you know what? Sometimes you just have to move along or choose to ignore it. I don't know. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. Uh, This is why I'm not a comedian professionally. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) All right. So we were talking fearless knitting and knitting in general and making. I'm curious about. So I love the whole conversation we had around fearlessness in life is fearlessness in knitting and how those those are correlated. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious because Katie told me something that I found a little bit (laughs) unbelievable as a total beginner. I have watched people knit sweaters painstakingly over many, many months. Mm -hmm. I myself am the recipient of a beautiful poncho that was made over two years, right? Although it was Mm -hmm. spun and dyed and knit. Um, Mm -hmm. Here I'm seeing something about knitting a sweater in four days. You got to explain. I don't understand. I know it's It's so I want to preface it by saying it started as a complete fluke Mm. and as all good things do, right. We, we cannot even plan some of these things to turn out as well. Um, I, so like you, I thought sweaters took a few years typically, um, as I started to build my business and I had the need to knit things more quickly, I had gotten to the point where I was like, okay, I can whip out a fairly small sweater fingering weight in about two weeks. Like that would be my like super fast if I'm really committed um, and I don't work on any other projects. Um, don't sleep. Just kidding. I was sleeping. Um, but I could, so I was like, okay, two weeks is about my, my quickest, but then I had a 40 weekend and I was right between projects. And I was like, I really need to knit this sample of mine. I wonder, cause it was kind of a little bit heavier weight yarn. Um, worsted weight. So Jim, I don't know if you've gotten into the yarn weights yet, but it's a little heavier, a little thicker. And I thought, I wonder if I could knit that in four days. Cause I have a four day weekend. And I was like, I, I don't have anything else major planned. It was really unusual. Um, I wasn't traveling. So I just, I challenged myself personally 
just for the heck of it, honestly. And then I told people on social media because I thought that would help me be accountable to myself for the goal. Because if I say I'm going to do it in four days and then I don't and no one knows, it's like, what difference does it make? Mm. But I thought if I tell people I'm going to do it, it'll be embarrassing if I don't um, as a, you know, a personality online or whatever. Mm. And so I shared the progress the whole way. I was like, it's halfway through day one, you know, here, or I've got my yarn wound. I'm just starting and I'm halfway through the day. Here's where I'm at and end of day one. And so I sort of chronicled the experience with photos and on day four, end of day, 10 PM threads still hanging off of it. I finished. And I really actually felt like sharing it with other people is what made me finish it. And it wasn't, I mean, it was a lot of knitting, but it really wasn't as tough as I would, as you would think. Like if you're really committed and I mean, I streamed a bunch of audio, you know, videos, Netflix and audiobooks, and ate a bunch of snacks and like didn't cook any meals the whole time. Um, and so on the end of day four, I, with my phone, I like panned past the, the sweater hanging on a hanger and I played the Rocky theme song and I was like, you know, like I did it. And what I did not expect is that all of these knitters were like, you should have a four day knit along. And I would love to just squeeze the cheeks and kiss the face of whoever said that to me. I don't remember who first suggested it, but someone was like, that should be a knit along. And I was like, would people really want to do that? That's bananas. So I, tried it that year. I mean, I just like a month or so later, we did a four day along for the same sweater and I knew it could be done. And then I really thought that's the end of that. I didn't really think that much about it. Um, but the next year I was working on my first book, Katie, you know, because yep. I had, we discussed a lot of yarn for that book and I was really busy head down. Just, I wasn't putting out much extra content for anyone. And I just had the thought, well, what if I just throw together a really quick four-day knit long? I'll just like whip something up and just for my customers, they'll have something fun to work on. They can kind of cheer for each other while I'm busy writing my book. Um, but what happened, <laughs> that sweater was the beekeeper cardigan and it completely blew up. Huge. I did not have anybody working for me at that point. It was just me. I was trying to write this book in a really short time frame. And all of a sudden I had tens of thousands of people like wanting to knit this sweater. And to be honest with you, like this is, I can't believe I'm saying this full disclosure. When I told everyone I was going to do the second one, I hadn't even designed anything. I didn't even know what it was going to be. And then I was like, holy crap, I'm going to have to, okay. Okay. So then I designed something and I'm thinking, I hope they like this because everybody just prepaid to be part of something. And now I have to give them something. And it just thankfully went kind of viral. And I had tons of people participating. And the idea really ended up becoming to knit a sweater faster than you thought you could. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily about the four days. And obviously, it depends on which size you're making. But from there, it really took off. And what's funny, I guess it's that whole um, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Because Mm -hmm. now other designers and companies are like, we're doing a four day knit long. And I'm like, you, hmm. I'm like, hmm. wonder who Which inspired that from, but honestly, it's something that we do every year. It's a lot of fun and there's no pressure to do four days, but I'm like, if you really want to challenge yourself, you can do four to about 10, 11 days, depending on your size. Otherwise just have fun. We take a whole month to celebrate and do prizes and stuff. So 
I know it sounds really nuts, but that's how it came to be. I remember when this was happening. I remember you posting about it. And I remember thinking, oh, hell yeah, I am so down for this. I was one of the early supporters. I remember being like, she can do it. I can totally do this. Did you do it? I did. I have the beekeepers guardian, actually. (laughs) I do. Um, Yeah, it was wonderful. And it still goes on now. It's like a whole, you know, traditional yearly Mm -hmm. thing. What year are we on now? Like four? It's five. You're five. I know. Five years we've done this. Um, This year it's fireworks. In fact, I've got the sample behind me um, because I wanted, like last year was hard with the pandemic. I still did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year I felt like we were going to be in a celebration mood. And so fireworks was like, Hey, let's think about, you know, maybe we get to be around people sometime soon. So yes. maybe we're going to celebrate something. Maybe. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. Who, um, who's the yarn company you're pairing with? Uh, so happy Jane. And mm-hmm. that is the dyer is Heather best. And she is just over in Idaho. So she's not super far from us. Um, Beautiful. yeah. So, That's and she nice. does great. And I gave her a heads up. I told her in December, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And she was like, all right, I I can do it. And she's a a small dyer, like in just a one woman show. And she she pulled it off. She did great. That's great. Oh, well. And when does this happen? Heads up. So when is this happening? Yeah, we're in the the lead up right now, but we actually cast on July 1st. So, uh, Jim, I don't know. But do you feel like maybe July 1st is time for you to start a sweater? Maybe. Uh, I'm fearless. <laughs> You're fearless. He'll, That's he'll right. You could do it. <laughs> he seems tempted, I think. Yeah. So at the time of this airing on July 7th, we will have, you will already be, we'll be a week in. Okay. The, or it'll be, oh, the four days will be over, right? But, well, so in theory, but we actually go from the first of the month to the end of the month and I'll do live streams throughout the week and prizes. And so we kind of stretch it out because some people, because of work schedules, they have to split up their time. You know, they do a couple hours a day and they sort of add it together. And there's a lot of creative, nobody really cares how long it takes, but we try and get everybody to the finish line in a month if we can. So still an impressive so no, timeline so for a sweater. So still you can follow along or check yes. it out. Absolutely. It's not too late to join. July 7th, not too late. You can jump right in. You won't be late. There's a lot of people just starting and we party all month long, friends. So (laughs) okay, I'm down. I'm down. I'm going to try it. I'm excited. I'm going to send you the stuff so you can uh, have a look. See, I hope the whole thing is garter stitch. I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) Well, technically, it's a lot of the knit stitch just in the round. So Right. And maybe. And, and here's one thing is a lot of people um, will knit past sweaters and you might have success with soundtrack last year's sweater. And it was unisex. Um, and I think um, I know that Kyle knit mm-hmm. one and has turned out really great. So that one might be, especially if you're just now doing garter, that one's pretty good. Cause it's just in the round. And it's a lot of just knitting in the round with Ooh. some slip stitches. So it's maybe a very handsome one. Yeah, I'll I'll let you uh, do the coaching, Katie. <laughs> I'll just send it over and and coach them through. You can do wonderful. it. <laughs> no problem. I got it. Okay. Good. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Where can people get the pattern, and where are you hosting all of your celebration through the month? So, uh, olivenits.com. Just 
like it sounds, Olive, like you eat an olive, um, O-L-I-V-E, olivenits.com. And I will do, so I have, uh, I'll do live streams on Facebook. I have a free Facebook group called the Olive Knits Student Lounge, and that's for my students and people who knit along with me, and we'll do um, giveaways and things there. But I also stream directly into the Knit Camp app. Um, That's the other thing that I do. And so any live stream I do on Facebook also streams into the Knit Camp app. So anyone who's in Knit Camp gets to participate there if they don't want to do Facebook or just keep things Mm. in-house. Oh, all right. And so obviously the next topic of discussion is the Knit Camp app. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yes, it's please. It's, it's my new baby. I mean, well, Knit Camp's not new. Knit Camp is two years old now. Mm-hmm. But, it's, you know, it was just the idea was just to create an, a happy, supportive island for my knitting community where we could just really connect and support each other and um, be creative in a safe space. And it has just grown and grown. It, it, I keep outgrowing the platforms. And once they crashed my server and I had to upgrade my server, I mean, like they are an eager and wonderful community. And um, now it's it's grown into an app that I just launched about mm, not quite a month ago. Um, and so everything happens in the app. It's tutorials and, a, you know, clubs like a sewing club, a cooking club, um, a book group. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a whole social community where, you know, it doesn't matter where you are or what your skill level is. There's something for you there and a lot of videos and tutorials and free patterns and stuff. So. Wow. All the fun. None of the mosquitoes. Knit hey, camp. Yes. Somebody's <laughs> been looking at things, all the fun, none of the mosquitoes. Exactly. Uh, um, I love that. Gosh. I, so it's on, I'm sure for, um, uh, Apple and Android, all of the things. Yep. Perfect. Apple and Android. There's also a web app. So for people who use a tablet or want mm. to access on their computer. And if you go to my website and click on Knit Camp in the top menu, it'll you'll be able to read all about it and find out how you can access it and all that good stuff. So. Oh, and while you're there, you should definitely sign up for her newsletter because it is wonderful. And it's always like a little hello from a friend. I love it. They're so personal and interesting and and not sent too often, of course. So you're always like, oh, yes, I want to open this. So <laughs> I just remembered her. <laughs> yeah. oh, hello, friend. I was like, yay, Marie. <laughs> Aww, thank you. I love it when sometimes you reply to my newsletter and you're like, Hey, that's fun that you're doing this thing or whatever. I I do really feel like I'm sending an, an email to a friend and friends reply, which is really nice. So yep, exactly. Yeah, that's what? how you know people are enjoying what you do, right? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. So um knit camp, when does that usually have is that all year round? Do you have like specific times you do different classes? It's all year round now. I used to do sessions where I just open the doors a couple times a year, but now that it's an app and it's so accessible, it's just open all the time. So people can, it's monthly or annual. So like you can try it for a month, see if you like it, you can sign up for a year, save some, some money that way. So it's, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty awesome value. I mean, the people that are there, most of them have been with me since it started. The people Mm. that signed up before they even knew what they were signing up for are still there almost like. 80% 80% of them are still there. So I think that's a really good testament to the experience they're having and that it feels like a, you know, a worthwhile place to be. Yeah. I'll say. Amazing. Wow. Amazing. That's wonderful. 
Oh, gosh. Well, so, you know, our other side of our podcast here is like all about magic and how it sort of ties in with making, um, especially since I've kind of realized at least maybe and Jim, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like to make magic, you really have to just access your creative imagination. Um, and what better way to make that into a thing than knitting? Um, so I'm kind of curious if you've had like maybe any sort of like, quote, spiritual experiences or anything that was like really powerful involved with your knitting or making in general. Um, I know you said like your grandma taught you how to knit, um, mm -hmm. but I don't know if maybe you've had any like experiences with customers or knitters or anything where it's had like more of a meeting than just knitting. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I think there, like, I couldn't even just pick one or two. I mean, there's so many ways that I think that does connect. And, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's from the inspiration. And I really do feel like it's almost like this creative muse and that inspiration is there. And if you're in the right frame of mind and you're open, you can kind of pluck that right out of the sky. And it's uh, and it's interesting that when I'm too busy and I'm too stressed, which is basically all the time, <laughs> but when I don't allow myself to slow down and like notice and be present, I feel less inspired and less creative. And when I give myself white space, um, and I've talked about that on my blog before, and it's something I need to remind myself of because white space, I think, allows me to have more of a connection to um the creative ethers, you know, mm -hmm. what's there. And, you know, sometimes, honestly, it's, it's as simple as running into the perfect person at the perfect moment who needed to learn what I could teach, or I needed to learn from them, or that had an opportunity, um, one way or the other, that that connection ended up becoming really important. Um, just like our meeting. I mean, we met in a, I mean, you sent me an email, kind of cold turkey, like, hey, I noticed you're designing with a lot of our yarn can I help support your business? And I don't think either one of us could have imagined that, you know, six years later, this is where we would be right now and that we'd be having this conversation. And so a lot of it comes down to relationships for me, but I think too, it's, it's where the inspiration comes from because I get really inspired when I travel and when I'm in old places where there's a lot of history, I can really, um, I don't consider myself magical, but I, um, to be honest, I don't know that much about it, but I also really feel in tuned with my surroundings. And I think um, I'm sure that somehow maybe connected, but I feel like I can go places and I really have a strong sense about the place. And I find a lot of inspiration in old buildings and architecture and cemeteries. And I mean, that's really morbid, but I just have gotten so much rich inspiration from um the past, you know, from, and from other, you know, types of creative people, like who have, you know, architects and bricklayers and, you know, people maybe that don't think of themselves as creative, but it still comes through to me. Yep. So I, yeah. I can't necessarily pinpoint one experience that was super like magically powerful, but it's kind of as a whole, I think that there is sort of this through line that making is kind of a, almost like a spiritual experience and that, you know, we have to kind of create enough white space that we can pick up on those signals when they're there. Right. I, you know, you, you say something really powerful and wise, and that is um, the, the making is a blend of embodiment, imagination, 
and physical action, right? In, in that physical action. So we're bringing those things together. And that's very much what happens in magic. We're very present to our physical being and where we're at, the sense of place, our ancestry, our history, our surroundings, mm-hmm. right? There's a sense of mindfulness. Then we're bringing in imagination, what could be, you know, the muse happens and we allow that to be there, right? Then we affect something with our intent, our will in bringing those together and creating something. And I love what, that you said that there's a, there's a through line. It's a word that I really like because I think there's such an amazing connection between there was nothing and now there's something. And that speaks to what magic is intended to do. And it's also what creativity does, which is the word transformation. I had a sheep buying on a field. Now I have a beautiful sweater I'm wearing, right? Mm-hmm. And there are a series of creative and you know, uh, imaginative steps that go from a sheep to a sweater, right? Mm-hmm. And just like it, there's a series of you know, things that go from where I am now to creating a magical intent and getting to where I want to be. Yeah. And do you mean, and I'm curious, uh, not to turn the tables, but can I ask you a question? Yeah, please. (laughs) Um, I'm curious if that, you know, does that translate more like on, um, you know, like bringing thought to form or is it about, you know, literally, because I think, you know, for most of us who aren't very aware of the world of magic and don't know very much about it, we we have those memories of like a magician at a birthday party or something like that. And this is this to me, what you're saying sounds so much more um, like intellectual. I don't know, like I'm trying to even I can't even put it into words, but it's like on a such a deeper level. Yes. Of, yes. You know, and really so connected to intention and then like right. bring thought to form. And that's what I'm getting from what you're saying. Yes. Here's here's something that is I think a common misperception of magic from the outside. Magic is not supernatural. The practice of magic in movies and in illusion magic, mm-hmm. which is the the which is an enter- form of entertainment which is totally fun and awesome. Yeah, there's a, a an illusion of supernatural sort of things. Or in movies, there's in fantasies, there's a supernatural idea. Magic that's actually practiced is ultra natural. That's the word I like to use, which is being extraordinarily mindful of where we're at. I can move this object on my shelf using only the power of my mind. And I'm going to do it right now. If you're watching the YouTube video, you will watch this miracle happen. Using only the power of my mind, I'm going to move this geode. <laughs> Here you go, right? So Ooh, what I did was... Oh my I, gosh, did you see I that? Reached, I reached out. If you're just listening, I reached out with my arm, <clears throat> grasped the base of this geode, and slid it over on the shelf, right? So right. this is magic, right? I had a vision of something that I wanted to do, and by my will... I made it happen. That is just as magical as anything else. So this is where, when I think that there's a connection between knitting and making and crafts and art of all kinds and magic, I think that it's literal. You are 
manifesting something out of nothing with your will and your effort. Mm. You see something in a skein of yarn that other people don't see. Mm. It's like a sculptor looking at a rock. Exactly. It's funny. I, a couple, I don't know, a few years ago, I designed a sweater that was just these basic stripes, but it was really about the color. Um, and Katie, it was Apogean, which I feel like someone mm. from Skissel knit that, I think, or I don't know. Or I feel like it, we somehow talked about it at one point. But um, but the idea had come from this picture of this concrete wall, like on the way to the beach. And there was this kind of faded aqua paint and then the the bare concrete below. And then it's had like an arrow that said beach this way. And I just saw that one picture and I was like, oh, that would be a great sweater. And when someone asked me about my inspiration for the sweater and I showed them that picture, they were like, I have no idea how you would ever come up with that idea. So it's right. It's really just like, it's like pulling something out of nothing really. And then turning it into something different. That's Absolutely. right. It is magical. You yes. get it. <laughs> <laughs> I learned. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I much. think one of one of the discoveries that we're interested in is how to bring, and I think you mentioned it earlier, Marie, which is how to leave the blank space for the enjoyment of the art itself to mm-hmm. as we're knitting or as we're doing making whatever it is we're making to be in the moment and to be present to it rather mm-hmm. than be distracted or be um you know rushing and so full of things mm-hmm. that I'm like damn it I just got to get this stupid thing done before da, 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 right yeah. and kind of taking the joy out of it and so there's something about um Certainly there's nothing wrong with audiobooking or Netflixing while doing your four day knit along. I mean, come on, right. but there's something really magical about having certain times when we're mm-hmm. suggesting you could knit with intent and you mm-hmm. could say, you know, this sweater is about prosperity and mm-hmm. I'm going to have, when I do the sle- the ribbing around the sleeves, I'm going to knit that in green and I'm going to, um, knit it with the visions of golden uh, Mm. abundance, right? And when I block it, I'm going to use this abundance blocking water by putting herbs into my blocking water or Mm -hmm. an abundance, you know, a a single drop of abundance oil or something, right? So there's a ton of different things that can aid in creating a vibration mm-hmm. and, a, and an energy and an intent around what we're making. And this is the thing that I don't know if this is what I think we're fascinated by is <laughs> how can we bring those aspects and those ideas into the art? I, uh, okay. So that made me think of two things. One is there's this sort of unspoken thing. Well, sometimes we talk about it where people tend to be either a project knitter or a process knitter. And so project knitters want to get to the finish line. Process knitters want to enjoy every stitch and they're not in a hurry. And I find for myself that I bounce between because my business is getting to the finish line. So I have to do that. But I also sometimes will really, especially if I'm dealing with a lot of stress in my life or worried about things, Um, I tend to be kind of an anxious person. And so knitting is really grounding for me. And I will, like you said, there's a time for the audiobooks and the streaming. And I watch a lot of true crime, which is not 
uh, relaxing, but for some reason it really helps. I don't know why Uh, highly anxious people tend to like it. So I don't know what that means, but, um, but there's times for that. And then there are the times where I literally will knit in silence and I'll go sit outside. I'll put my bare feet on the ground because I really feel like that's really important. Get my, get my, you know, my time with, you know, the earth and, um, and I won't listen to anything and I will, I will just kind of work through things with my stitches. And I talk so much about that with my community that, you know, we knit through so many crises and joys and celebrations and painful times. We knit through grief and we work out a lot of those issues in our minds while we're creating. And I feel like it's a really therapeutic way, you know, to have our hands busy so that our minds, especially, you know, if it's knitting, you don't have to think about, then your mind can be busy sort of sorting out the things that you need to work through. Mm -hmm. And I find it to be a really therapeutic process. So I'm totally on board with what you're saying. It's amazing. I used to work at a cancer center and we had a knit for life group and I always thought, okay, well, there's people knitting. And now I'm thinking, gosh, maybe Mm -hmm. there was more to that group and what they were doing Mm -hmm. than I realized, right? As -hmm. those people had community as they were caregivers and or patients that were knitting Mm -hmm. together and uh, they weren't watching movies together. They were all knitting in a circle, you know, Mm -hmm. and what an interesting idea that that was going on. And I I have never really thought about it that way. Yeah. Also oven of its own. Mm -hmm. I also haven't thought about, Gosh, is that, I really love the process of knitting because I'm only on my third swatch really. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating to see like, you know, how do people knit? How are they using their hands? Especially is fascinating. And, um, but I haven't thought about that for myself. Could I just sit outside in my bare feet Mm -hmm. and knit and think and knit and think and Mm -hmm. ground and rest? Yeah. Get grounded. And it's honestly, that's, even though knitting is my business, because there is that therapeutic quality to it, and I do truly love it, I can still get just as much joy. I just have to turn off all that other noise and let myself savor the stitches and really be present in the moment and realize, oh, I'm knitting right now. I like knitting. This Mm. is fun. And you're right. It's absolutely therapeutic to do as a community. And community is so at the core of everything that I do, because I think we have a tendency to be so isolated, especially now. Um, but to to have a connection where we can connect in a way that sort of transcends a lot of other things that we might not agree on as mm-hmm. people, but we can connect on this one shared thing. And I think it really helps to break down some defenses and break down some, you know, misconceptions about others. And yeah, so it's, I feel like there's, I mean, not to put... <laughs> Too much deep, powerful meaning into knitting, but I think there really is a lot here. And yes, I'm passionate about it, but I don't think I'm wrong. Katie, am I wrong? <laughs> uh, no way. I don't think so at all. I mean, again, it's it's a a labor of love in a way, not to yeah. call it a labor because again, that kind of gives it the connotation that you don't want to do it. But you're totally right. Like this is something we don't have to do. Um, so why not enjoy the process, like you said, instead of feeling enslaved to it? Um, like, the, again, it's not doing anyone any good if you're not enjoying it. It's, and what are the odds that you're going to like that thing that you're done with finally when you're like, oh, good, it's done. Like, probably exactly. you're not going to love it. So, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's completely true. And um, again, yeah, it's just something from nothing. It's totally magical. Mer- Marie, you really have shared an amazing spiritual experience. And it is putting your bare feet on the ground, which is a form of grounding, right? Yes. To be in, in, in physical contact with the earth yeah. and knitting. And I think that that is amazing, mm. amazing spiritual connection. And yeah, thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. And I also think Savor the Stitches needs to be and maybe savor the stitches, comma, bitches. It needs to be yes. like a, a bumper sticker or yes. something. Yes, tote bag, t shirt, something. Yes, savor the stitches, bitches. I love trademark, it. Trademark, trademark. She's trademarked trademark. it already. Do yeah. it. Do it, Marie. Go with it. Love it. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. And that, I mean, what better to promote fearless knitting than actually, you know, diving in? I love it. Diving in. Absolutely. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. so much to it. I feel like we could, you know, it seems silly because people are like knitting given knitting business, but there's mm-hmm. so much more to it. And I guess I'm one, I guess you guys probably hear that too with magic, you know, or tarot or whatever, you know, like people have, they just have this one layer view and they don't understand the complexities mm-hmm. and, you know, all of the deeper layers of what's there. And then they miss it because they just dismiss it without knowing. Exactly. Right. Their right. loss. <laughs> That's why I got to keep an open mind. Oh, my gosh. Well, this has been an amazing episode. Um, I really appreciate you being on. I've learned a ton. I don't know about you, Jim. Totally. I'm mind blown and inspired to pick up my knitting, which has been sitting for about a week or two and sit up back on this gorgeous day and take my shoes and socks off. Yes. Go enjoy that gorgeous porch out there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Oh, well, wonderful. All right. So you can find out more about Marie Green of Olive Knits at olivenits.com. Of course. Uh, she also has a Facebook page. She is on Instagram, but mainly you can uh, more contact her on the uh, Knit Camp app. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, go check it out. Sign up for the newsletter and um, don't miss out on the four day knit along, which is at this time of uh, release currently happening now. So if you're on Ravelry, go check it out. Thank you so much for um, the opportunity to chat. I really appreciate it. You're amazing. You're amazing. I love meeting you and I'm so glad you were our guest. Yeah, thank you. I'll have you back soon. I would love to come back. Next time I have anything interesting that's not what we already talked about. I don't know. This is pretty much all I have. (laughs) But I'll. (laughs) I'll come back and chat with you about knitting anytime. <laughs> Yay. Wonderful. Well, awesome. maybe we'll do like, you know, a collab at some point and do a magical be- making something. So that stay tuned. Cool. <laughs> stay tuned. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, you can uh, always find out more about Knit a Spell at knitaspell.com. And you can find my co-host James Divine at Divine Hand Gym on Instagram. And you can find my co-host Katie Rempe on Instagram at Light from Lantern. And both of us have our links in our profile where you can find all kinds of fun information about us. So check it out. Yes. And all of Marie's information is, of course, listed in this episode as well. So easy peasy, lemon squeezy. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, until next week, everybody, thanks again for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. So long. Bye-bye. This episode is a wrap. If you enjoyed what you heard, go ahead and follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app. And don't forget, you can see full video episodes of Knit a Spell on Light from Lantern's YouTube channel.